we should talk uh, perhaps you know you can also share some thoughts on uh, uh, since we are going to be talking about reviews perhaps you can share some thoughts on uh, one is obviously the craft of writing a review and as you talked about in the last uh, session uh, you have to have your audience in mind to make a review better but uh, also what are some of the ways in which people you know who write reviews can make them more accessible or help them reach a wider audience uh, i don't know if there is a clear cut way to that but uh, you know as we were talking reviews have become or even any kind of long form writing uh, people i mean there is obviously is and will be in an audience that will want to read uh, you know content in a in a deeper manner who just want to read a few articles a week even if they're two three four five thousand words long but i think there's a substantial audience that is out there that is uh, of that instagram facebook twitter variety that's you know scrolling and if once it up it it goes past your uh you know your your visible frame on the on your device i think it's just not going to be read or viewed again yeah well i think that that's Right, that, that's where we're at. I mean, we're going so fast, and I think that we, as, as a planet, we have so much anxiety. And when we have anxiety, I, I don't know, I guess I don't have a copy of this book. I gotta get a copy of, do you know uh, Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow? Yes, yes. So, basically, we're in a, we're in a perpetual state of thinking fast, which is, you know, which is basically great for leadership because it makes us very volatile and easy to move around. Uh, easily so, minute, um, easily we can be easily manipulated. I think. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And um, so, but but I think it is, and and so I think that that's something to try and address. I mean, that's I I feel like that's something to address because I don't like to be manipulated, but. But I think it is this—it is the context that we're working in right now, which means that you know, for better or worse, you have to, you have to, you know, have clickbait, right? And then once you get into whatever it is that you're presenting, you have to keep them, you know, and the length of time. Like in in Medium, for example, I notice, you know, I'm publishing there, posting there. It's not publishing to my mind. Uh, because it's not reviewed in any way, but or just reviewed by public opinion. But they mark everything by how long it takes to read it. Correct. Exactly. So I know, uh, you know, before I even start, how long it is, uh, uh, you know, an investment of time. You know, you you talked about Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow. Uh, since we're on the topic, uh, and before we get started, I'd like to recommend two other books on similar themes. One is by Michael Lewis, and I think it's called the un uh, gosh i forget the name it is essentially a biography of uh, a tversky and uh, and kahneman uh, it oh. came oh it is uh -huh. it, it, and you know it's uh, written in that uh, typical uh, style of michael lewis it's very very you know readable and it gives you a sense into not only the work that they did but also oh i the... I, I read that one uh, uh, uh is that money? that's not moneyball but it's um no. I read that book first. The micro, yeah. I'm pretty sure. So that is, uh, you know, for people interested, that's uh, I would definitely recommend that book. And the other one is uh, uh, by Nicholas Carr, 
and the book's name is The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Minds. And I think in 2010 or 11, when it came out, it was uh, a Pulitzer shortlist winner. And I think the prize that year went to uh, The Emperor of All Maladies by Siddharth Mukherjee, you know, the book on cancer. Mm. Um, give, me the, give me the author for The Shadows again. Uh, Nicholas Carr. Nicholas, C-A-R-R, and the book is The Shallows, S-H-A-L-L-O-W-S, What the Internet is Doing to Our Minds. And that is a brilliant book. I mean, if people really want to, you know, get a sense of uh, the, the, you know, the literature out there, it's very well written. Uh, so anyway, let's get started. Yeah. Yeah, so, let's uh, get started. Do we have everyone? We have, it. yeah, I'm, I'm going to move people to a panelist role so you can uh, see them. And uh, so welcome everyone to our Indic Book Club author Q&A, uh, sorry, Indic Book Club Writers Open House with Otis. And uh, you know the drill by now, you submit your pieces, uh, short pieces of, you know, 800 to 1000 words at the most to Otis. Uh, they can be your original writing piece that you want the feedback on, or as we have been trying for the last couple of uh, sessions as you also send, uh, you can send reviews, right? So if you've written a review or you want to know how to, you know, improve your review, you send that and Otis will review it and mark his feedback, send it back to you. And we will, then he discusses it in this session. So with that, Otis, I'll turn it over to you. So if you can share, you know, how many reviews or writing pieces you got. And I know from last week, there were a couple that we couldn't get through, so we can probably give, uh, go through them. Yeah, uh, let's see. I was looking at that before we started. Uh, I have one, two of these we've done. I have three for this week, and uh, and I have a few left over from last week. I think four. So we'll try and move fairly quickly. I have a couple of reviews, and then I have a couple of other works. So and, and while yeah, we're we'll, doing we'll, this, okay. I'm also going to set this up on uh, live on Facebook. Great. Um, <clears throat> But Abhinav uh, and I, I don't know if everyone was hearing us talking about reviews and, and sort of the nature of the world and, you know, what's happening to print media. But it, these are all things that as, I don't, I don't 100% think of myself as a writer in a sense anymore. Um, writing is the medium that I, that I devoted my attention to, so it's the way I brought myself through the ranks. Uh, over a long period of time, but really, what I am is I I make things, and what I what I've decided to make, and what I've tried to become expert at making are stories essentially, and in doing that, it's also influenced the way I've seen the world. So it could have been similar if I had devoted my life to, um, you know, be being a, a wheelwright. You know, I want to say like, you know, a, a carpenter, you know, a fine craftsperson. If I had devoted my life to being a fine craftsperson, I would have learned my, uh, learned about the world through that craft and through my dedication to that craft. It doesn't mean that I only make chairs or I only make wheels. It finally means that I'm a maker of things and I see the world in a certain way. And, uh, 
Abhinav and I were talking about sort of how the world is changing and whether the print medium is, you know, it, it seems to be fading or if it exists. I don't think it, I don't think it will fade ever completely because it is, it is such a potentially, it's very potent. And also we should recognize that writing is behind every other medium, basically. Writing is behind every other one, as far as I can tell. So even though we see something on video, maybe the person is just doing it off offhand, but they've really learned their craft of storytelling from writing. Um, movies, of course, are written first as scripts. Plays are written first as scripts. I recently made a video, and I did not write a script ahead of time. I made the video first, but I'm just working with different tools. I basically am studied in the process of writing a story. And, and what writing is, and what a story is for all of us, is it's basically a narrative and a narrative is just a sequence of events that make sense. That's what it is. And it takes us from point A to point B, arrives ideally someplace different. Um, but these are, it's a great thing for us to talk about in regard to review. I think it should inform us a lot. These longer works that people are writing, you know, we've talked about this before. Let's say you've written, you know, 600 pages. So it's very likely at this point that that 600 pages is going to be read by far fewer people than maybe a review of that work, of course. And it's going to be read by fewer people than watch a video about a similar subject. And it might be read by fewer people that, you know, click on a tweet about that subject. So we should think about what it is that we're trying to do as a reviewer and what it is. So we're... As a reviewer, we're trying to become a gateway, essentially, between us, who's out in a social platform of some kind with access to an audience, we're trying to become a gateway from, a gateway to the book. So this might be a good way for us to think about it, just strategically. So what's the difference between a person who reads a review and a person who reads a book? Well, it's a question of commitment, isn't it, right? They can read the review in two minutes, one minute, two minutes, three minutes. You decide how long that review is going to be. The longer it is, right, that means the longer you're basically uh, trying to establish a commitment from your reader to read all the way through it. Oh, it's only, it's only a tweet. Okay, so I'm not expecting very much time. So you know, a couple seconds for reading, right? But now I've gone to a minute, I've gone to two minutes, et cetera, et cetera. So now you have to write something that keeps that, uh, the audience riveted to your work for however long it is. And then what you're doing in your review is you're trying to become that gateway to a longer book. Now this is 600 words. So what do they want if they're going to read 600 words? What do, what do they need to know to commit to that action that's now going to take them hours or maybe days or maybe it's a very difficult work that they'll have to struggle through for a month or something like that. What do you need to tell them to make them decide to do that? What do you need to put on the page? Um, I think that that's something pretty important for us to think about. And 
I think we can add to that. I, I hope you'll jot some notes because I, I don't have any notes on this, you know, but, but I hope we'll also realize that this is something I've talked about in all of our writing, regardless of what form you're writing. So what we know about our reader is that they want to leave their world for a short period of time and they're willing and open to being influenced by what we're going to put on the page. So they're willing to go into our world for one minute, two minutes, 10 minutes. But with 600 pages, we're asking them to go into another world for hours or days or something like that. So it seems to me that if we're writing a review of a book, we have to somehow let the reader know why it's going to be worth it. Show them why it's going to be worth it for them to leave their world for a number of days, perhaps, and go into this world instead. Does that make sense? Like, we have to do something. That is, I'm talking about something really significant. I, I, want, I just want to emphasize it. So, I'm not talking about ideas. I'm not talking about what the ideas are. I'm not talking about, you know, I have an opinion. Oh, well, this, this writer has the same opinion I have, and so I'm going to, you know, this is the opinion, and you should have it too, and this book is about that opinion. Opinions are not, they're like, they're like, uh, they're like air. Every, it's everywhere. Everyone has opinions. But what does the reader want? They want to leave their world and go into another world and have an experience of another world. I think that that's really the most fundamental. It's the same reason someone goes into the movies. Why do I go into the movies? I don't go into the movies because I want to wash my dishes. I don't go into the movie because I want to, you know, do all the, <laughs> take care of my yard, which I don't do. Right? I don't, I don't, I go into the movies to escape all of that. That is a fundamental thing. We shouldn't shy away from that. That is a, I, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed. I don't feel like, oh, I'm not intellectually sophisticated, you know, because that's what I want to do. Oh, I want to see some French existentialist film because I'm such an intellectual. No, I want to leave my life. So that's the thing we should be thinking about. And when we're doing a review or when we're writing something, that's what we should be thinking about. Um, so with that in mind, I think we better get going. Um, is Jay, Jay, where are you? You're, you're here, you're dedicated, I see you. Jay Sundar, I think. Jay, you wanna click on, are you on your video? Jay, where is he? Does he just click Jay's on? Jay's is uh, he's on mute. Uh, uh, Hi, can you hear me? Jay, how are you? Hello. Can you hear me? Hello. Yeah, Jay. I think you handed in the piece last week, and I wanted to start Hello. with it today. Uh, your voice is breaking up a little bit. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's okay. So, um, this is this is a very. So short let me piece. just stick to audio. Hello. 
Okay, you're just on the audio, Jay? Just give me a second. Am I audible now? Hello? Yeah, you are. Thank you, Jay. Um, Jay, is that can I... Yes, it is. Thank you. So I just wanted to, I, I actually, I'm so, I want to apologize first because I was reviewing what we were looking at this morning and I see that I, I forgot this piece. Um, so I haven't marked it up, but I started reading it right before and I thought it would be a good beginning for us uh, for this session. So if, if that's okay with you, and then I can talk to you a little bit about it, but I think you're doing a lot of things right mm -hmm. here. I want to kind of emphasize those uh, today. Um, that actually, you, you'll, you'll see in a minute that they, it kind of goes along with um, my, my little opening statement about reviews and also about why people read, really, which is what we're talking about. The, the, our issue for us is understanding our audience, understanding why they read, what are they after. And, and I go back to this idea that they're after leaving their world and going into our world. And that's the most significant thing that they're doing. Um, so could you read this first page for me? Uh, oh, wait, I don't have it shared. Sorry, let me share it. Um, do, you, do you see it? Yeah, or maybe you have your copy. I'm going to have it's you just read no. from... Okay. I would. I want you to read from the beginning. Oh my goodness! Why are you doing this to me? Silly. Um, yeah. From the beginning, if you could, uh, just to the bottom of this first page, where you get to "Yes, Father." So, it's it, it goes pretty fast. But I want to. And actually, all of us, when we listen, this is what I would like you to do. I would like you. To, um, I want you to forget about thinking about what things mean, and I want you to be—I want you to just open yourselves up to the experience of what's happening. Okay, go ahead, Jay. Enough build-up. Jay. Uh. I don't see the document. Uh, have you shared it already, or is that a problem on my end? Um, I shared it. Can other yeah, people? I see can it? see your. Uh, I mean, I, I I I can see the screen that uh, Otis has shared. I can see your document and all. Hello. So. I, I can too. Yeah. So maybe you can just read it from your offline local copy, Jay. You know the part uh, where it begins with Father. Maybe fill up some water. Okay. So if you could tell me where we start with this, so that I can start from my way of my copy of this. Joseph goes, Father, may I fill up some water? There was no response. He repeated a little louder this time. Silence. Shona turned back. I, I, I love reading it, so, but don't, don't leave it to me. Take it, Jay. 
I'm, I'm not able to see the document on my end. There seems to be some sort of a problem. Ah, okay, I got it now. Okay, Father, maybe fill up some water. There was no response. <sighs> he repeated a little louder this time. Silence. Shona turned back. Both his parents were leaning on the ropes of their baskets. Not even the rustle of the river had woken them up. He lowered them and took out the guard. He went to the river, washed his hands and feet before splashing water on his sweaty face. He drank to his heart's content and by the time he returned, Adirada was stirring. Okay. Should I continue? Yeah, I would like you. I would like you to go ahead and read this section all the way to yes, father. Okay. Shona, where are you? Why have Shona, where are you? Why have we stopped? I'm here, father. I'm here, father. I went to. He repeated, "I need to fill water." We are by. He repeated, "But father, I do not know what we will find there." Balance. Sure that you want to go ahead? Can we not head on the westward road to Mulastana? No, it's sure I turn back. Both his parents were, if only my legs were a little stronger. Shona sighed, exasperated. It's not that. It has never been that. Like I said, I don't know what we will find there. Shona, why are you shouting? Is there a problem? Radha was a... He went to the river, washed his hands and feet before the wake too. Shona feels our frail bodies are a burden that he can no longer carry around. Shona bit his lips to suppress the retort that they had almost spoken. Anger. Adirada was speaking like all old people did. Shona, where are you? Why no. Shona, impertinence, father. Would you like to have some water? Okay. I think it's better 
to establish the setting. I'm going to say that I, I know I say this every time we get together. Setting and point of view. Establish the setting and basically establish the setting through point of view. That's what I really mean to say. So that someone, we understand whose story we're dealing with, whose point of view, that little camera that can move around the whole universe, where is it situated? Is it on the shoulder of someone? Is it in their head? We want to establish the point of view um, for Rashma on the stage. It's a focus that's created with the stage, right? How do people form and how does the, how does the furniture and setting form around the central character? But we want to know who our point of view character is. So I would always suggest that. But still, I think I, think I, I become involved in this scene and what you're doing so nicely is you're combining dialogue with action. Shona turned back. Both his parents were leaning on the ropes of their baskets. Okay, so Jay, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to assume that when I don't, if I don't recognize a story, it's coming from some, you know, a tradition that I don't know. So, so I think this might be coming from a, a, a traditional story that I don't know, but. But I'm still basically there. I mean, it's a little bit sketchy for me because I don't know the story. I would like to know a little bit more, but it seems like the, the parents are in these baskets. They're too old to make a journey on their own. And Shona is basically carrying them. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm just, I, I love that. I mean, that, that, that's putting me into a whole world, it's putting me into the past, it's putting me into a time before carts, perhaps, it's a time before a lot of things, and this is just the way that it has to be done, and I accept it. Um, and I uh, lowered them, took out the gourd, you have these details, went to the river, washed his hands and feet, so we're, we have a nice pace here where we have details we have concrete language. This is the point I'm going to make for everybody. I can imagine this. Okay, I can have a little movie starts going off in my head, basically. So writing was the original little, writing was the original movies. We've only had movies for what, 100 years, 200, 150 years? So, and we've only, so, Stories make the audience's imagination start to see things. But, but, it will not happen for the audience unless we use concrete details. Unless we actually have characters on the page that the reader can imagine. We're using writing to inspire the imagination. And here it is happening. But if we do not have concrete details, then I cannot see anything. When I see the word gourd, I can see and imagine a gourd. I've seen a gourd before, right? When I imagine uh, two people in a basket, I can imagine two people in a basket. I don't think I can emphasize this enough. I cannot emphasize it enough for all of us. We must have concrete language that allows the movie to go off in the reader's head. So that's one absolutely crucial detail. So like I'm saying, Jay, you have that here. What you lack, if you are lacking something, is 
my ability to understand where the focal point is coming from. So that's the point of view character. So while I'm getting this sort of diffusely, right, I'm getting this, 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 you know, I'm getting these various things happening. <clears throat> I'm going to say something ex excruciatingly important, excruciatingly important, if that's a word, phrase. Um, I, I cannot organize the information. So basically, it's a very subtle point. Jay, this is a good piece. So I'm, I'm, making, I'm making points with you in a very good piece that I hope that everyone will take away and apply to their pieces, right? I'm saying a couple, a couple very important things, two important things about going into a world. I have to be able to see and experience that world, and I have to be able to organize it. I could see it, I could see it and feel it and be in it, but I could be massively confused by it. That's still not a good experience. I need both things. I need both things. Um, I like, I really like going, we are writing dramas, so I like, sorry if I lean on you, uh, Rashma, but if you can imagine the stage, right? So if we had a stage and we had like five people on the stage, and people in the back by the curtain, you know, <laughs> by the spittoon in the bar started talking. And then someone up front here started talking. And then someone back here started talking, right? That would be confusing to me because I wouldn't know the focus. So what Rashma is going to do when she does the blocking on the stage is she's going to bring the central character to the front. And she's going to have all the other characters, guess what they're going to do? Look at her, right? That's what happens on the stage. We do the same thing in writing with point of view. We solidify the focus of our work. I'm saying this for everyone, Jay. It's just something to bring your work to the next level, yeah. but you're already doing one of the things that's yeah. so important. Um, and then once we have that, okay, I'm starting to get chills, okay, once we have that, now we do the important work. I'm focused. I'm basically, as a reader, I'm because I have a focal point and because I'm actually experiencing something, I'm at ease, right? I get to read about other people's difficult situations, but in safety. That's what happens. I get to experience life there in this place. Um, through what we call verisimilitude. So I have the verisimilitude of experience by reading your work. Now what is at peril for these characters? What's at peril for these characters, like all our characters? Other human relationships. This is the thing that matters most, I believe. I've come to this place this is the thing that matters most in our world. When I, you'll forgive me, Jay, I'm not becoming morbid. When I die, the thing of value that I will have on my deathbed, I hope, are my relationships. They are the only thing of value. The stakes can't be, it's not money, right? It's not when I die, it's not going to matter whether I have a nice car or not. 
That is not what I take away. What I have is I have the opportunity to enter into a community of human beings, my children, my loved ones, or maybe I don't have any of those things, but I still enter into a community of human beings, and at the end, I'm removed from that community. There's nothing more important than human relationships. It could be that I'm incapable of having human relationships and I have a relationship with a trusted dog. Then that is the most important relationship of my life. That's it. So, Jay, you are doing it right. I, can, I, I lack the focus. We've talked about that. But I'm in this world. I'm with this. I think I'm going to guess it's, yeah, oh yeah, it's the son. And he has the mother and father who are too infirm to make this journey on their own. Um, <clears throat> and we have those characters get on the page as individual characters. Because I'm going to say this. The, the peril of us in this human community is not that we are in this community with people who are exactly like us. It's that we're in this community with people who are not us. We're having relationships with people who are not us. Right? These characters are individuated. So I get that they're individual characters. If they were not individuated characters, there would not be a relationship. Right? So, uh, the father says, forgive me for putting you through this. If only my legs were a little stronger. So that's a great line, right? It's a great line because the father is sorry and he feels like he has to make an excuse. He feels bad about doing this to the son. Shona sighed, exasperated, good, right? He doesn't say, he's not, he's not impervious. He's a human being too that's affected by the events of his life. He's affected by he might have ideas, but he is finally affected by the physicality of having to carry his two parents. That is beyond the capacity of most of us. He's not a Superman. If he was Superman, it wouldn't be an issue. But he's not. He's a regular person. If I had to carry my parents, as slight as my mother is now, my dad was not so slight, it would be hard, right? So he sighs exasperated, and he says it's not that. This is good. It has never been that. Like I said, I don't know what we will find there. It's not that it will never be that has a kind of irony to it. Because we get the sense he's exasperated that he has to meet this argument again. Because the... So, there are two, two things that I use as, as um, guiding posts for myself when it comes to dialogue. One is the mammoth quote that I said the other day. So, characters may not always say something that they mean, but they will always say something to get them what they want. That's one. The second one is something that John LaRue said to me at Stanford. I, I think I told you I grabbed him and I threw him up against the wall at a different day. And I said, tell me two things that matter. And he said, only, t only tell backstory when you absolutely have to. This will come up later today. And the second thing was, Dialogue is something characters do to each other. You're doing that here. You might not know that, which is great. Having a good ear for dialogue means that we capture the dynamics of human relationships kind of automatically. It's like being able to have perfect pitch and music or something like that. 
we hear it and we reproduce it. We don't have to know why we're reproducing it, but if you're like me, I'm tone deaf. So I had to learn all this stuff, basically. I had to train myself, just like we can train ourselves in music. So, fine. So anyway, the father is coming and he's basically, you know, he's saying, you know, he's making an excuse because he feels really bad. But him feeling bad is, I want to emphasize this, something that he's doing to the son. He's not being quiet. He's not not saying anything. He's not, dialogue is action. He's acting to get himself what he wants. And that's something that he's doing to the son. And the son is used to it. And he's exasperated by it. So that's all good. I just want to go, I'll go a little bit faster. Um, it, and he basically, the son now here in this line, it's not that. It has never been that. The son deflects from this. The father is trying to make the son do something, and the son turns him away. He says, it's not that, it's never been that. I don't know what we'll find there. This is, you know, classic human, you know, ability to, I don't like what's coming at me, I can't deal with it, I want to move it to the side and take on something else. Human beings do that. Great. Um... Shona, why are you shouting? Is there a problem? I think this, this is the mother says, awake too. Shona feels our frail bodies are a burden he can no longer carry around. I love that. Great line. If the father is trying to make the son feel guilty, he's sticking the knife in now and twisting it, right? Shona feels our frail bodies are a burden he can no longer carry around. That's actually a direct contradiction to what Shona actually said. Shona said it's not that. It said I don't know what I'm going to find there. The father does not take that. The father goes back at, the, at what he wants, right? To not feel guilty about what he's doing to the son. To somehow go to some ethereal plane where people are not burdened by physical existence. Not to take it too far. Um, Shona bit his lips to suppress a retort he had almost spoken. Uh, I have some feelings about that, but we don't have time right now. Anger gave way to understanding. After all, um, at a... Ratha, excuse me, was speaking like all old people did. Is that so, Shona? Have we become unbearable? Oh, my God. If there was a knife, if there was one knife, there's another knife. <sighs> like that. Um, no, Mother, it's nothing. Forgive me my impertinence. Father, would you like to have some water? And then, and then the son backs away, right? He backs away. He cannot even take this that's coming on him. No, Mother, it's nothing. Forgive me my impertinence. Um, yes, we would both like to, but start with your mother. It's great. Uh, Shona gave her the gourd. Uh, she drank very little. She didn't seem all that thirsty. Um, she sighs, um, and he took the gourd from her and let the rest of the water wash down his irritation. He drank too. Shona, you shouldn't fill the gourd before we start. You should fill the gourd before we start. Yes, father. He's directed again. Okay, so this is a great little scene. Um, Again, for everybody, this is the main point I'm, I want to bring up. Okay, Jay. What you've done is you've backgrounded yourself. You've backgrounded the author. The author does not seem to exist in this work. I feel as if I am in a world and I am observing it for myself 
objectively. This is the first level of our ability to tell the story. The first level of our ability to tell a story is to get out of the way. To background ourselves, not to give our opinion about what the story means, but to act as if we're only presenting a story for the reader to appreciate for themselves. You, in this page, did not judge the son. You did not judge the father or the mother. You didn't judge any of those things. They were simply on the page for me to decide about. Because they were on the page delivered with objectivity, I also did not judge them. The difference would be if you did come in and you were judging them. Let's say you thought the son was a, a shirker or whatever. And maybe it will turn out that this is really his burden. He has, he has to take this trip. But right now, he just seems like a human being. He seems like me. I'm not perfect, and neither is the son. The father's not perfect, but neither am I. So I accept them as fellow human beings who I am bearing witness to. This is the best thing for us to do as writers. We background ourselves, ourselves, our human personality in a sense, and, what, and we act as what I call a faithful witness. Faithful witness. And that's our job. We already get to construct, remember narrative is a sequence of events? We already get to construct the events. This is one event. So, what's the next event? We get to construct that. We do our work by creating an arc of character through a sequence of events. And by doing that, what we show is we show actually a process of life, which is what life is. It's a developmental issue. It is not, this is not to you, Jay, because you're not doing it, but to others who want to express their opinion, it is not a static opinion. Okay? A static opinion doesn't exist. There is no stasis in this world. Jay, you would agree. It's all action. I'm like this. I change, 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 I change. I die. What happened in between? That is my life. And that's what we put on the page as writers. Yeah. Okay, we better move on, Jay, but do you, do you have any questions? I, I think it's a very strong start to this work. Uh, thank you, yeah, no no questions. Uh, so you, you would mean that the characters have to change during the arc of the story? As in the characters right. are through a process. Right. What, what happens with our characters, basically, in the, case of, in, in the case of a story? So I've taken, like, I just study stories. So I don't know whether it's true or not of real life. But let's just say that because I study stories so much, I think I see that real life does seem a lot like stories. What happens with uh, our characters through an arc is actually this. 
they, they are formulated by their experience. They have certain strategies by which they deal with life. It might be avoidance. Usually it is avoidance, Jay. Honestly. We all avoid bad things, and we all try to gravitate towards what we think, what we think are good things, mm. right? We meet adversity, and what we usually do is we double down on our strategy, whatever that is, to avoid and to seek, you know, uh, I, I want, I want money's going to make me happy. Oh, I didn't get that job. I'm really going to get the next job because money's going to make me happy. Okay. Uh, maybe. So we double down. And so our arc of character, our arc of character is a continuous changing process. We're always different, right? We're becoming more emphatically um, holding on to our strategy in our arc of character. We more emphatically hold on to it. But holding on to it, we're actually always wrong as characters, and we're going downhill because of it. We're, do, we're, we're actually we're chasing more and more this thing that's forever elusive. I mean, it's like, it's kind of classic, right? But it's like we imagine this thing's going to make us happy, but actually our peace has always been within us. The, the famous American movie, The Wizard of Oz, you know, Liz Dorothy, she can click her heels. You could always go home. You always had the capacity to be happy. It was you who was preventing that from happening. We are our, our problem. But anyway, we go down and then, yes, then we, 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 we meet a point where we actually have to make a choice. Do we continue to be as we are or do we change? That is, that's the basis of story and you'll notice that that story is a little bit like the phoenix going into the flame and rising out of it. That, that arc is a fundamental, it may, be, it may be the one story arc. It's the one story arc. And it, and it serves a point of catharsis for us as human beings, because as we struggle with our existence, we like to read stories about the chance for us to succeed through adversity. We love that story. But yes, yes, I am saying that for the character and for us, truthfully, so I'm saying take from stories something and apply it to us. The opinion I have today is not the opinion I'm going to have tomorrow. And if it is, that's a problem. Right? That's me going like this. <laughs> that's me going down here. And I don't want to do that. I've seen it happen too many times. So I, I'm taking that away. I'm taking it away that things change. And that maybe I don't know. Um, and so we as artists... I'll go back to this. We as artists, we're not, we're not trying to make people believe things. We're trying to make them see things. So we're a witness to life, not a... Anyway, I think you're doing it here, Jay, and I really enjoy that. 
and it does this other thing that I think is so important. It allows me to go into the world. I go into a world. I don't go into your world. Right? I'm not, I actually don't want to go into your world. I want to go into a world. And I want to be there. I don't want to be there as you. I want to be there as me. Yeah. And you do that. Okay. And now, uh, um, Abhinav is giving me that look like, we better get to time. I know. I know. I'm so bad at this. Yes. Yes. We, okay. We... Let me. Uh, Thank you. We are going to. But very important, a very important base. I really want us all to take this as a very important base for our work. Um, so let's see. Is Ram here? Is Ram here today? I am checking. I don't see him. Uh, so perhaps I okay. think. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's not here. Um, is this is uh, Jai Sira Ram? Is that would that be the is that the author there for this piece? Nope. No. Uh, good morning. Uh, this is Falcony, and uh, I'm the one who turned this in. Okay. Um, okay. Um, uh, can you tell us a little bit about this piece and what what you're uh, looking for? Uh -huh. Hi. Good morning. And uh, this piece is basically a retelling of um, the Ramayana, which is an ancient Indian um, piece of ancient history. And this is just a retelling, and this part just describes the glories of the city of Ayodhya. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, I, you know, I I read this with interest, and what my my main comment. Um, I like this description, but now so now this is going back into this this idea as as I like to apply it to this work and all of our work basically is that the things that we need are we need some sense of both the concrete detail and we also need that focal point in order right. to be able to understand things. I've made, I've made this comment before. Um, how, so, so, like I make these comments, I know they sound super dumb and obvious, <laughs> but like, like I used to be really smart when I was like 20. I was so smart. But as time has gone on, I've become sort of like simpler and simpler, you know. So I'm like super simple now. But basically it's this. We all of us, as, I, as, I, as far as I can tell, we all of us live in one point of view, our own. So we actually experience our entire life within this one body, seeing things from our point of view. So within our head, looking out. That That is... That describes our experience of life. When we write, we want to use point of view. We must use point of view because it's already the only thing, the only way to organize our very chaotic experience that everyone in our audience shares. That's how we do it. 
we basically understand the world through point of view. So in this piece, I, I want to know how am I seeing this? From what, and so I'll just say from what single point of view? It can be a camera, you know, that moves around. I've said this before in dealing with something that's nonfiction, that one way to think of nonfiction, if you want to describe something that's, you know, let's say a palace, right? Um, describe it as if a person is walking through it, if that makes sense. And we do that because that means that I walk in through the front door. So the front door was, you know, inlaid with gold. The antechamber was filled with flowers and da, 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 da. Beyond that was, a right? So I'm taking basically a point of view, even though I don't have a person attached to it, but I'm treating it like a person that moves, right? That goes through the experience. And I do that so that the reader can feel comfortable, basically in a, this sounds a little bit complicated, but the reader feels comfortable in a type of perception that they're used to. So that was that was my advice here. Um, there are we we do other things in writing too. Of course, we have you know I mean you know these shots where you're coming up to a city, but it's still when we think about the movies. And what we don't understand is that it's not diffuse. It's always organized with a focus a focus that comes from the camera. And that camera is like a single point of view. And we want to repro reproduce something that's like that in our written work. We don't, the camera itself, right, because of the technology of a camera, creates that focus automatically. In writing, we do not have that. The only person who's going to be able to create a focus in our writing is us. And we call that focus point of view. So, so I think that that's the main thing here. I would just like, I would like to see the point of view. And then the other thing that I, that I really want uh, in a story for me as an audience, right? We want to again understand why is our reader coming to our work? Our reader comes to our work because they want to have an experience. They want to have an experience, essentially, uh, writing is the original avatar, right? They want to have an experience as, a, as within the character so that they can have an experience of life from which they gain something. So those become the first two things that I think about. We want to establish the setting through the point of view which establishes the character that's going to be the prominent character through this story. Right. It could be that you want to write <clears throat> um, more about this space and this place. A city can also be a character. And anything can be a character, finally. But we still want to uh, take into account these very human needs of having a point of view to organize the experience and filling the experience with concrete detail that the reader can imagine. So they both have an imagination, but they also have it organized so that they can do this thing that I'm talking about. The primary thing that the reader wants is to, I'm going to do this 
I'm going to be in Abhinav's bricks for a second, right? They want to leave Abhinav's bricks and they want to be in your world. They want to be in this world and they want to have an experience in this world that is like life. That was a little bit of a speech. Does that make any, any sense? Yes, it did. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's a, you know, it, it, there's this, there's this very maddening, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, I'm t- I, you know, I've been at this for such a long time and it, and it, I find it maddening, right? It's maddening because I have something I want to write. Why do I have to think so much about this pesky reader and what they want to read, right? It's, it's, a, it bothers me that I can't just write the thing I want to write and then that's good enough. Unfortunately, what, what our artwork is, what the, our writing ends up being, is it ends up being a bridge. It, it's, it, I mean, I think about it sort of, it's not mystical or anything, but it's even more than that. It's, it's, a, it's a commingling of the consciousness of the author and the reader. And it's an absolutely equal relationship in which we have to take into account exactly everything that they want. It has to be everything that we want and everything that they want. It's not easy, but it's, uh, but, it's a, but it's a wonderful aspiration if we can get to it. And when we achieve it, it's, it's worth all our efforts. I better keep going fast. I, Abhinav, I know, is ticking. He's, he's breaking pencils. That's why he's taking himself off the screen. He's going through the pencil breaking. Um, okay, or at me... all, Otis. <clears throat> <laughs> Or he's eating. Or he's eating. I don't exactly. know. Exactly. I'm, I'm having some salad, uh, so <laughs> I, you certainly oh, good. don't want to, you know, I don't think anyone wants to watch me masticate, so. <laughs> no. No, thank you, Avanav. We appreciate it. Um, okay, let me keep going. Um, Okay, that was Ron's piece. Um, that one we looked at last time. Okay, let's look at um, Chitra. Uh, so this is a review. Is Chitra here? Hi, hi. Yes, Otis, thank you. Hi, Chitra. Um, hi. Thanks for uh, submitting this work. So. We're, we're going into review. And so I think, you know, the, the couple things that I notice here is I feel like there's a number of things being discussed that I kind of don't know about. And it can feel as if, Chitra, I'm going to be honest, it can feel as if you already have some opinions about it and some biases, basically. This is the main thing. This is a little bit, you can see you can see how devious I am now because I start with Jay and I build up this idea of backgrounding the author, right? And I'm going to suggest that backgrounding the author is as important in writing a review. In fact, it's important in us writing everything. It doesn't mean that we don't sometimes have a character who does express a point of view, usually not in a review, but 
in our fiction and even in our nonfiction, we have characters who express points of view all the time. Uh, like in Jay's piece, all of his characters have a point of view, right? The father is trying to make the son feel guilty about not wanting to carry him. Uh, the son is feeling pressured. They all have individual points of view. Our characters have individual points of view, all of them. And we want them to have, definitely, we want them to have points of view. And their points of view and their motivation is based on going back to Mamet. They don't always say what they mean, but they always say or do something to get what they want. Every character is motivated by what they want. Chitra. <laughs> Chitra's like, uh-oh, here we go. If he's setting it up like this, it's going to be bad. Okay, so what we, that, that's for our characters. But we as author, we do not appear to want something. We are a faithful witness. That's the disposition of the author. The author is a faithful witness. And that means that they do not have any biases. Right? Uh, they, yeah, they don't have, they, they kind of don't even have a personality. Their personality is kept off the page. Unless they're trying to be, unless they're, unless they're just going to be like an influencer, right? So that's a different story. If I'm trying to be an influencer, that means, what am I doing? I'm saying, uh, I believe this, I believe that, etc., 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 And I think someone's going to go along with that just because they're afraid of me, like hitting them on the head with my fist like that, right? So that's being an influencer. When we're an author, we rise above and we want to be a witness, Faithful witness. I'll go back to faithful witness because the reason we're that is because we're asking the reader, any reader, the first thing that we're asking as soon as we open the book is that I believe in you. Right? That's what allows me to go into your world safely. You are going to give me, you're not, you're not giving me your world. You're giving me this you're giving me an objective world in which I'm going to be able to have experiences in safety. This is something I've thought a lot about, Chitra. Because I've taught so much memoir writing, right? I've taught so much memoir writing, and you know what I've seen most often in memoir writing? I've seen people who want to write a story in which they pay back all the people who hurt them. That's what I see. And they come in and they write about their evil stepmother, their evil father, their evil boss, the evil insurance companies, the evil... They, they write about evil. They're an author who comes in writing about evil. Okay, so there are two things that can happen. Either I can agree with them. Now they're writing about the evil stepmother and I'm saying... Yes, evil stepmother. We agree. Or I'm like, I don't agree, right? If I don't agree, I don't even think I'm getting a world represented that's being represented honestly. So I'm out of the book. But I, but I, I started thinking about it even more so. What I started to realize was it didn't matter who was being judged. 
It didn't matter to me whether I agreed or I didn't agree. If there was judgment, I left. Now, this is not the characters. Characters can judge each other, but not the author. There's a difference between the characters and the author. The author is objective and is objective even about all the characters. And the characters are filled, you know, yes, the character here, I think you're an evil stepmother, sure, but not the author. There's a difference. It's, it's, it's very difficult to grasp in some ways, but we have to separate ourselves from characters, separate ourselves as authors from our characters, right? Um, may I ask a question? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, my question is this, I completely understand that from the point of view of writing a, a story, where I'm writing a story, but that is also the reason why I reviewed this book for today, because of the context in the book. And I have struggled with writing because it has a certain point of view. So if I'm reviewing the book and if the book has a certain point of view, but is woven into the story, as a reviewer, how do I keep that out? Um, do I make myself understandable? Am I? Well, one way we're going to do it in review is to to look at look at doing a review that is not that does not correspond with our own bias. So let me let me just give you so so. This is the year 2003. A newly formed Indian state of Jakarta is where the Maoist terror unfolds. So, for one, I don't know what the Maoist terror is. I definitely see that it, that's being depicted as a negative thing. So it has a kind of sense of bias to it already. That there's something, right? But I don't know what it is. But I do understand that it's a bias. I understand that, you know, something is unfolding. Again, I'm going to go back to this idea of we as writers we want to consider the world and what's happening from a we want to be a witness to it not a bias you know we're not using language to create a bias but that's only that's only the start but I, I don't even know what that is so i know so i know it's bias but i don't have any way to evaluate whether i agree with that bias or not because i don't even know what it is but i do know it's a bias um it's a love story but this is the place for example um, the situation uh, has insinuations of people and incidences in the real world. Left-wing student outfits, radicalization on university campuses, urban naxals parading as intellectuals, immature minds wanting to control the various destinies of some young people. Okay, so, so that's a cast of characters. That cast of characters is being shown to me with a sense of bias. The language contains bias against all of those people. So this is starting to bring me into a territory that's, you know, I don't know, the author may be de demonstrating all of these biases, right? The author may be de demonstrating all of these biases and you, and it seems here that you, but I don't know that one way or another. 
but I do know that you seem to be reflecting these biases. But this is the thing, I'll go back to Jay's work. So as a, as a writer, so like let's say, for all of us as writers, when we're considering these people that are being created, whether created in fiction or not fiction, the criteria of excellence for me is that we put human beings on the page. So human beings are always complex. They're always complex. They're always driven by trying to get what they want. Every single human being, regardless of what they're doing, this is how I feel as a writer, regardless of what they're doing, they're all doing exactly what Mamet says. They don't always say what they mean, but they always say something to get them what they want. And that actually goes for everyone and all of our biases too. When I'm when I'm pushing a bias, I'm trying to get something that I want. When I'm that memoirist saying, oh, my stepmother was evil, I'm trying to get something that I want. When I, read, when, when I get that memoir, I know that I'm being asked by the author to agree with them that their stepmother is evil. I know that. But I cannot teach them that that's okay. Because for me, the author has to see every character as a human being. Whether a, work is, whether a work is good or not, from my point of view, depends on whether they accomplish that or not. So if I'm going to review a book, like it could be that I'm reviewing this book and I could say, you know, um, this book has a, has a riveting love story at its center. But the depiction of characters that are outside of the author's ideology are depicted as monstrous idiots with uh, their cardboard cutouts. This is a, that's a phrase that um, you know Rashma will know, right? We do not, as writers, we never want to present cardboard cutouts. This is our criteria. Chitra, it could be that you have um, another tack on this, though. I mean, you could be out. So the way to the way to um, the way to get around this issue is that when we present ourselves as authors and we have bias that are we're not acknowledging, you lose me. In in the Greek term, we call this ethos. Ethos means the way I believe in the author. But if you have bias and I perceive it and I and I can't have any way to evaluate it, then I don't trust you, and I move away. But so my question if you is, wanted to, you can do this. Yeah, yeah. You can you can do something like this. You can say um, the author of this book shares the political dispositions I do. I do not like leftists any more than he clearly does. Still, though he dislikes these leftists, he portrays them as complex individuals of whatever. Now you can get into it. You can own it, right? Because when you own it, then that increases your ethos. Does that make sense? Like I trust you more if you're, if you're, if you're, if, if you admit it. But authors, my question relationship. if these are the yeah. elements that are dictating the book, um, so how do I then say it as a reviewer, if these are the elements in the book anyway, uh, do, 
am I getting my point across? I think so. It's it's so it's so super wonderfully complex. Okay, because um, so you want to as a reviewer, what you want to do is just review the book. As I think where you go wrong here, in a sense, is you write you you write this as a high velocity thriller. It has insinuations to people and incidents in the real world, and it's sort of like you're saying there. It's like you know what this book is about. Um, it, <laughs> this book is about a bunch of idiot leftists, you know, that actually exist in the world. You're basically showing your hand. You know, you're like, I think that these leftists are idiots, and I think that they're, you know, uh, parading intellectuals and immature minds wanting to control, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, and I despise them. You know, you're basically saying that these people exist, and this author is writing about these idiots. But, what uh, you want to do instead, what you want to do instead not, is uh, he, he he actually picks certain <clears throat> characters which you could connect with in the real world, as in you could identify them as somebody. And these were the elements at, at play. So I was just struggling with how to uh, lay the land. Uh, honestly, I really struggled. So yeah, yeah. I'm just trying no, to I, understand I, how to do it. I, I don't... It's, it's sort of... I, I, I'm not sure that I have great advice because, it, you know, our biases, our biases are us. To a large degree, we are our biases. I like, you know, deviled eggs. I dis, you know, whatever the things I like and the things I don't like make me. But when we're trying to write a review and we want to have this sense of ethos, where the where the reader is going to read our work and trust us, then we have to try to write. We actually have two 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 ways of doing it as I've already suggested, we either write by not having our any biases, or we write by acknowledging our bias. Either way, the reader starts to trust us. But, but I think what you've done is you've actually gone between Maybe those two, right? You sort of like, you. You, you haven't acknowledged your bias, but you're also not writing without bias. So that means that we have both of these things happening, and I'm confused. I'm actually uh, trying to figure how to write this, uh, like the way the book is telling the story, as in, because there so, are elements in the book. What, what, what I would do is, I, if, if it were me, I would concentrate on what makes a book. So I, I'll go back to, so if I'm reviewing a book, I have a certain standard, and as I've said, for me, a book is about a character arc. So that means it's about a principal character and their point of view, and the journey that they go on. And they go on a journey like this, and they come up to something like this. If this happens, then that's good. That's what I would choose to write about primarily. The political situation in which the story takes place, so I'm not reading it for the political situation. When I'm reading a work of fiction, I'm reading it for the character arc for this reason, because I identify with the character, I, I identify with the character's struggle 
as being like my own struggle, not in the details, but that I struggle in life, so does the character struggle in life. The character struggles to find love and happiness in a world of chaos. I struggle to find love and happiness in a world of chaos. So I, I, I go along with them, and I get to experience them struggling to find a, a happiness and love in a world of chaos. And I find out how they come out, and I gain something from that. That's the core story. That's what I would address. The rest of it is actually what we call window dressing. The radicalization. So it could be radicalization. It could be Maoist terrors. It could be leftist. These are all minor characters. They're minor. Um, a good example of this might be Bonfire of the Vanities by um, Tom Wolfe in the U.S. Okay, so the backdrop is New York City and race war and uh, city politicians. So those, those things are not, those are the window dressing. Those are the context in which the story, the core story takes place. I would make my concentration on the core story rather than the window dressing. Because it's not, finally, I'm not reading it for a political treaty, you know, treatise. I'm not, I'm not trying to read, I'm not trying to read the work to discover what I feel about leftists or not leftists. I'm not reading the work to discover what I feel about city officials. I'm reading the work to discover about life. That is the subject of stories. And that should, that should be the focus of the review. And then, then it's a question of, for a review of fiction, it's a question of whether the author does it well or not. So for me, that is a big question. Is it, does it sound like the author, and look, uh, John Steinbeck is a very well-considered author in the United States. And his, his political points of view correspond to my own. I do not like John Steinbeck because I feel that he's actually pushing an ideology and I am not reading for an ideology. I am not reading for to be propagandized about what life is like. I'm reading to experience life. So since that's my criteria, that's how I, I would evaluate. Does this author get us involved in a character arc that makes us have an experience of life that, that ends up being meaningful for us or not? Then we might say, does he treat his characters as cardboard cutouts or not? Those are the issues for me. If they're cardboard cutouts, then I'm already distancing myself from the work because I don't feel like I'm witnessing humanity. I feel like I'm actually being told what humanity is. And I do not go for that. So then how does one review it? Like something that comes. <laughs> I would, That's my I question. Would say, my I question would say, is not so much about the book itself. My question is about how do I represent the book? Well, by, so by thinking about that, book, those aspects. What's that? You you said uh, you if it was a book heavy on ideology, and if. Right. So I might, I might say, okay, Operation Johar is a love story wrapped in an ideological treatise. <laughs> that might be a way to say it. Or you could say Operation Johar um, takes place during a volatile political period uh, in the state of such and such, but it is primarily the struggle of a young boy to discover himself. Right? 
that's how I would, you know, okay. I mean, okay. you know, and really, and, and you'll see that, that this is a choice that authors have, you know, it's a funny choice. Are we trying to make something or are we trying to witness something? This is a big difference for authors. It doesn't matter what the subject is, okay? So I, subject aside, are we trying to witness life or are we trying to make life? Here I'm not I so think, much concerned I think, about the author. I'm more concerned about how to review something like that. But we, we do that by looking at the book. So the book is the artifact. We forget the author. Don't, don't worry about the author, but concentrate on the book. The book is the thing that the author has made, and it reflects the author. But we want to discover what is there. What is there? Is, it, is, this, is this really uh, an ideological treatise wrapped in the love story? Or is it a love story wrapped in an ideological treatise? Okay. It's kind of a choice. Okay. Thanks. You know, um, I, I love I love dealing with this kind of stuff because this is really this is at the heart. I, I am talking about the writer, but a lot. But you're also a writer, right? You're writing the review. This is the issue for all of us. What are we trying to do? Are we so as the reviewer? Are you trying to witness the book, or are you trying to make the book? Or like, are you trying to witness it and write about it without bias to understand the book? Or are you trying to push the ideologies that are already contained in the book further because you agree with them? Okay, I get the distinction. Yeah. All right. And you know, you can and from my point of view it's fine if you even say, you know what? This book, you know, so so aligns with my particular ideologies that I don't even care if this love story is good or not. I think it's great. But the love story is good, right? You can write that. You can write whatever you want, but the main thing for us to do is to be honest and be honest by both looking at whatever it is we're looking at honestly and understanding ourselves honestly. That's the, that's the best way. Just be honest. Don't try to do anything. Um, <laughs> my, my mother gets like this. She's like, please don't bother me with this, you know, with this irritating phrase of doing. Right? <laughs> that's what my mother says sometimes. Like, don't worry about trying to do anything. Just worry instead about being as honest as you can and then just putting that on the page that is our best guide you know i mean you can be like i you know this author is my next door neighbor and he gives you know he he feeds me breakfast every morning i have to love his book and i do right you can say that you can say whatever you want i love it but that's key but what we don't want to do is we don't want to like, so what happens here, when I read the Maoist terror unfolds, I feel like I'm being swayed. I feel like I'm being, I feel like I'm being manipulated. When I'm hearing about, you know, left-wing student outfits, you know, like they're dehumanized idiots. But I don't have any way of judging that for myself. Then I feel like I'm being manipulated by language. When I'm feeling manipulated by language, just like John Steinbeck, it does not matter what the ideology is. 
If I feel I'm being manipulated, I turn away from it. And that's the same reason I turn away from any characterization that seems like a cardboard cutout. Because a cardboard cutout is, to my mind, not true. It is not true. And so if I have a character depicted as a cardboard cutout, one-dimensional, then I turn away from the work because I'm like, this is not life. This is an ideology. This is an idea of life, not life. And I do not read ideas of life. I am not interested in it. So that, that's how, that, that's, that's my standard, uh, for better or worse. I'm, I'm a sensitive freak in this regard, but probably because I had a mom always telling me what I was supposed to think. She was a scientist and very smart and probably right, maybe all the time, but I still didn't like it. Uh, I look forward to seeing Chitra. I want to see this review again. Can we please see this next week? Can we rewrite I, that it? That was exactly what I was going to ask. I want to give this another shot yeah. because I have struggled with it. And I don't even now yeah. know how I would present Maoist terror without calling <laughs> it that. So I will give it another shot and I will send it to you. Um, let's see. Be, be honest. Maybe the, maybe, the, maybe the place to start is with you. You know, I, I like this idea of like, you know, you know, this background is something that I have a lot of strong feelings about. And so it could be difficult for me to read it, whatever it is. I don't know what the answers are. But for us writers, we we are writing things. But you know what? It's a funny thing. We're writing for this audience. But in all of our work, we're also looking inward because the only way we can understand our audience is by actually understanding ourselves. Or we could data mine. That's a joke. That was a joke. We could da do data mining. That's the way corporations discover their audience. We discover our audience by looking at ourselves. I look forward to seeing this again. Um, it's not meant to be easy. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Yeah, I have struggled with this only because I don't know how to portray the elements, but I'm going to give it a shot. In fact, that's what I yeah. want to ask you. So I'll send it to you. Yeah, and I look forward to it. And also, whatever you do is great. Okay, I'm really so committed to that. Because remember, remember that, that I mean, yes, I'm a freak about this, but we're on a story arc. We're developing. All our lives, all our lives, different, 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 because of what we decide to do. This is always giving us feedback. When we do something, it gives us feedback, and it presents us with a problem, and we change and grow from it. So all your work is good work. I really believe that. I believe I, I have to believe it about my own life because I've typed so many pages. So. Uh, I just didn't understand one word in the top line. You say this point of view now describes the what? This Are point you... of view. Experience. Um, okay, got it. Got it. All right. 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 So basically, when you create a bias, you've actually now limited your audience. So now everyone who agrees with you that this that there's a Maoist terror, right, and even knows what that is, is now with you. I, someone knows, they also they raise their hand and say, I believe in the Maoist terror. They're with you. They continue to read. That's fine. But that's a much smaller audience 
All those people who don't know what the Maoist terror is are gone. And all those people that, even me, who might be interested in what it is, feel like I'm not given information to evaluate for myself, and now I don't trust you, and I'm gone. So, but if I begin to give even a, I, a lot of the information, I'm worried. No, no, don't. The, the context, deal with the context. The context is window dressing. The story is about a character. Does that, does the, does the work succeed on that level or not? That is the only criteria. You are not going to convince, I don't believe you're going to convince many people to read a book where the, the core story does not work. Because I'm not reading to read about Maoist terror or about cities or about, um, you know, uh, the Dust Bowl or about, I'm not reading to read any of those things. I'm reading to read about a character who struggles with life that I can grow from that struggle. So if it doesn't work on a core level, it doesn't work. Deal with that. Don't deal with the context. So then uh, should we write a review for such a book? Well, I would, I would write the review about the core. And then, and then if you think, I mean. If the context is uh, perhaps more weighty than the core. Well. Well, then write that. Just say, you know, I mean, you can say, you can, you can say, you know, the core, you know, the, the core story of a boy's coming of age uh, in this relationship is turbulent, but in some ways cliche. But the context in which it takes place is so interesting and vital that everyone will enjoy it. Right? I mean, you, there's always, for us writers, we are, we are strategists. There is always a way to make it work. You clearly want to write a review on the book, so you should figure out how to do it. This is our struggle. Our, our, our struggle as writers is how do we do it? I you know, agree. <laughs> we, we can't just do it. The, the problem is we cannot just do it on our own terms. Everyone, so this is the thing about human beings. We all want what we want on our own terms. I want love on my own terms. I want, you know, I want to make money on my own terms. I want, we all want what we want on our own terms. But you know, the struggle of life is you do not get what you want on your own terms. So you want to write this review, that is clear. Now you have to figure out the terms. This is great. This is how we grow as writers. Thank you. I love this project. <laughs> I. I Thanks. I go again. It's not easy. What we're doing is not easy because what we're dealing with and wrestling with is ourselves. And mm -hmm. to a large degree, we're also developing this ability. And I do believe this. We're developing this ability to both be us with all our opinions, to be a character and to be an author. In psychology, we call this um, the, having a dual consciousness where we're both able to see and experience our life and our bias and our struggle, but also we're able to witness it. Got it. And that is one of the struggles of becoming a writer. And it's not one that ends, okay? I can see Ashvani is saying, oh, I've been there, done that. I'm already there. He's saying that, I know, I can read his mind. He's like, ah, oh, way past that. No, Ashvani. It never happens that way. It's a continuous, all, the best work 
is a life work. Okay, we better move on. I'm really uh, sorry. So, uh, quick time check, Otis. Uh, how many pieces do you have uh, remaining? Oh, my God. Uh, let, let me, uh, that was Chitra. Um, that one we did. Uh, that one we did. Okay, um, I have a couple pieces, but how about I just do like bullet bullet points because it's it's not it's not great for me to have a backlog. So I, I if I could just get through, are you all right with me just trying to do it very quickly? I think the things uh, we're discussing are all important. Um, no, sure, no, this is this is good. We have a good, uh, I think, uh, very good discussion. So how about uh, so you want to do both of them? How about we try and uh, get them in say fifteen minutes? Yeah. Great. Okay. Thanks. So I have uh, I have Rashma up here, mm -hmm. and uh, Rashma, we did spend we spent a lot of time, obviously, on your work last week, which was so great. And and I think that actually, what I what I mostly felt about this work in comparison to last week's work is where last week's work was so succeeding because you had these four really individuated characters. You basically don't here, hmm. like all these characters. Are essentially in alignment with each other. They're not. They're not motivated in that. They're not individuated with what they want particularly. And okay. and that's. I think that's really the story of the scene. Um, my other question for the scene is, why do we need to give this this group equal attention? It okay. might be. It might be diffusing us from our central issue. So like this family, it seems like their main purpose is to. And, and you can also feel it in the way that they're all basically aligned, um, is basically they're all joined in this idea of evaluating um, women who are coming for this possible marriage with an algorithm. So they all agree about that, basically. Hmm. That is, I think that that is actually the core of the issue to a large degree um, for our central character Right, she's she's being evaluated by an algorithm in comparison to all these other women, right. you know, in a kind of computeristic way, and that's the core of the story. So, mm -hmm. so, it, so we don't really need to individuate all these people. You, if you wanted to engage in more economy, I would actually just have, you know, I would just have them, you know. Um, I'm so sorry that I'm, I'm, I don't know. I got. I have to write down your main character's name. I love her name. Simran. Simran, Simran. Simran, yeah. Thank you. I love that name. I, I'm so sorry that I keep forgetting it. Simran, maybe because I love it so much. I, I don't want to, you know, own it. Um, anyway, Simran, um, you know, we, we, can, we can show this character just by having one candidate before them, right? And have them do their evaluative thing before Simran comes on, basically to establish the context of the scene. Yeah. I don't think that these people are the focus because they are, like I say, they're, right now they're not different. Um, and they only seem to have one function, which is to present this idea that people can be reduced to an algorithm. Right. And that love, or whatever it is, I mean, I don't think it's love, but that, that love doesn't really exist. Only algorithms exist. 
And I just think you can do that quickly. But that's okay. my that's my. I, uh, okay. I have three questions around this uh, after the feedback. One question is that since they're being presented as a group, these are the antagonist force and they're being presented as a group, that is why they look together, they look similar, except the mother who, who tells them that we should have found a girl from our circle who represents a tradition, uh, way of arranged marriage. So uh, that is where there is a little conflict. And But what I'm developing is that I'm developing again another dysfunctional marriage in this group between the father and the mother which has bearing later on in uh, the climax scene. Uh, and I've, I've included where you're feeling lost is because it's kind of a lot of subtext, which has gone into it uh, after layerings. So- No, I, I, I think it's just, I, it's, it's not, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't really a subtext. I, I just don't know that you're getting value out of that. I mean, you're taking, so we have four key characters. You're you're only dealing with a play again. We're we're you know, four characters is a lot. Yeah. Now you've added eight. You've added four more characters. You've doubled it. Doubled. Yes, that's right. I, I I don't I don't think you, unless you unless you have some compelling reason to actually be bringing these two families together as protagonists and antagonistic forces. I wouldn't do that. I think you actually have a fairly well conceived, you know the. The first, hmm. the, the the audience doesn't care. Okay. You know when 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 we have our story about whoever you know, Tom Cruise versus the evil Russian, Rocky versus the Russian. We don't care about that. It's also the USA against Russia. Right. That doesn't matter to us so much. We care about this. We care about what we can focus on. It's, it's part of the human condition. We like to focus. Um, and from focusing, we learn about the larger thing. So I wouldn't complicate it with the, the families. I don't think you get as much out of that as the subtlety. And, and anyway, we're going we're gonna to understand that they're really just antagonists, it seems to me. They're antagonists with, with you know, they're antagonists by having a male child Right. Uh, who has a successful job and um, in computers and and their antagonists in that they are richer they, they basically they, they, the, well they go along with a system they go along with a system that basically dehumanizes women right right, right. By, by treating them as a math equation treating right. women as a math equation so I think that that's and it's also about technology taking over human beings, you know, when, when technology becomes that important. Uh, yeah, well, we can't decide whether whether human beings are math equations or not. That's not to us. It's just different points of view. Th that's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, okay. I'll, I'll need to think about if I want, how to deal with these characters. So you're saying just do it more economically rather than... I would, I would be more economical because that's going to help our focus. Okay. And our focus is on Simran. I think Simran and Baldev, Chutki, uh, right, Chutki and, uh, and, and uh, the mom are slightly peripheral, but helpful in focusing that issue between Baldev and Simran. Right. Um, 
and I, I would I would put all the focus on there you know and then yeah you'll you'll see but if you're going to do it if you are going to do it unfortunately you have to do it well right so that that means if you're going to put four characters on the pay on the stage then you have to have four individuated characters I, I don't think that's your, where your, your time is best served, personally, if I were giving you advice. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say your time is served there. I would say your time is served by continuing to focus. What we do in stories is we basically put our two, we want to put our characters in a lifeboat. That's what we do. We put our characters in a lifeboat. And Simran and Baldev are the ones in the lifeboat. Right. Everyone else is a shark. Okay. Okay. Right. So I'll uh, see how to, I'll have to think about it. Yes. It'll need more thinking than if I have to do away with these characters at all. Right. Yeah. The, the only yeah. problem which uh, we face, uh, sorry, uh, the only problem that we face with actors is that I can't bring act four actors on stage and not give them lines. <laughs> So if I have to have them, I have to give them oh. shape and lines. Well, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I was I was seeing like like if you had if you had some kind of split stage, right. you know, you can have Simran and everyone sitting sitting in here, right, waiting, while while one while right they, split scene. Hmm. Basically, the woman. Right before them is they, they talk to her and we get, we understand what they're doing. We see it in a kind of a split screen, and then that person leaves, and then Simran and the family come in, and then maybe you expand out the scene like that. So you have some kind of waiting area. You have them here so that we can see them both, and so then we understand visually that Simran is waiting and this person is going first. That sets the context. Right. Then that woman leaves, and then you expand the scene out like that, and now Simran is in. Now we know what we're dealing with. We know who they are, and we know who, and we already have met Simran and the rest. And now we see what happens. Right. I get it. Thanks. That's, that, that's what I would. That's what I would think. And then that that's a lot more economy, and you actually have them showing us this whole selection process rather than telling us about the selection process. Right. And I think that that would be more effective too, because because really what's so What's happening in their selection process is the dehumanization of somebody, and so it would be better to witness that with an actual character on the page, right on the on the set. Watch them dehumanize her with their algorithm, <laughs> and then say, "Well, we'll get back to you," and then off they go. And then, oh, who's the next one? Oh, she's thirty-one. Da 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 da. Right. Okay, bring bring her in, and now we see what happens. Right. Because I think that's exactly what Simran is resisting, is being dehumanized in this way. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> uh, Sumathi? Ah. Um, tell... I... I can't hear. Audible? Oh, yeah, I hear you now. Yeah. Uh, okay. Just, give, give us a short little primer on this. You wrote me an email that was explaining it to me, but just so you can explain it to everyone else, and then my comments might make more sense. Okay. 
Yeah, so uh, this is an extract uh, from a short story I wrote about a relatively lesser-known character from the Indian epic Mahabharata. So the character's name is Pandu. And uh, I have written this whole piece in the form of a kind of a soliloquy where he's thinking about something. So it's a, it's a set, uh, his set of reminiscences of his life up to a point and at a critical point mm. in his time from where it, the story moves on forward. Okay. Word. So, right, so, in, so in my first it, draft that I had sent to Indic Academy, I had not... Yeah, yeah, out. Oh, I was just going to say, so and what you told me is it's a, it, it's a way of creating a context for this character and a kind of backstory. That's right. right. So this is a later addition I've made to uh, kind of make it uh, read as a good standalone story. But I realized that it was a very tricky proposition. So that's where I needed your help. Right. And, uh, and you did mention that you felt that like there were a lot of characters. Yeah, far too many. And, I counted there were 11 or something. So I thought it's just too much for a short story. Yeah, and so everyone else can see. I, I also tried to do a little squares around all the characters for myself to keep track. So um, so there's two things. I'm just going to give you, Samathi, uh, because we have a little bit of a time crunch. I'm just going to give you my boilerplate. So it's this is what I would apply to every work if you, anyone who gave me work about any subject, I would say exactly the same things as I'm going to say to you. So you're right. Okay, one, trust yourself. Okay, so as a writer, we often know what the problem is, right? <laughs> but we don't want to know what the problem is, and we hope that we've hit the lottery and it's not a problem. I know this. Ashwani knows it. I know it. We all know this. We want to hit the lottery, but we know there's something that doesn't work. So, yes. Too many characters. Why is too many characters a problem? It's confusing. It's actually the same issue that, that we just talked about with Rashma's play. Four extra characters. You just, you just times two the number of characters that I have to keep in my mind and figure out why are they important and what are they doing. It's confusing. There are two things. So I have this central premise about our reader. There are two our reader will, can have difficult emotions, they can go through difficult things, but there are two things that we can never have our reader experience. One is boredom. We can never bore our reader. If we bore our reader, then they will do the boring things in their life. We have enough boring things. The other thing is we never do is confuse our reader. I find my own life confusing enough. I have people that talk to me and they tell me just yesterday, I was like, nice to meet you. And they said, I already met you. I'm like, I don't know who you are. I mean, so we do not confuse two things. We do not bore. We do not confuse. So that means we want a sweet spot of necessary complication. Focused. It's complicated enough, but not too complicated. Right? It's simple enough, but not too simple. This is what we're writing for. So you're right. There's too many characters here. I can't make any sense of this. Every character has another relationship. I'm going to go back to Jay if he's still here. Jay presented three characters. Each of those characters was individuated. 
I, I didn't understand their relationships because I was told about their relationships. I understood their relationships because of what they did and how they responded to each other. So I could imagine their relationship. It is not abstract. When I say someone is my stepmother, I say they're my nephew, I say they're my cousin, you don't know anything about our relationship concretely because you don't see it. It's just a name for it. It's abstract. In Jay's piece, it was not abstract. It was concrete. Concrete characters relating to each other. It takes a lot of work to do that. Can you do that with all these characters? I'm not sure, but I think the Mahabharata is like, like a thousand pages long. So <laughs> it's 18 books long. So yeah. So are you going to be able to do it in four paragraphs? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> so, um, the next thing, the next thing, I'm just going to really bullet point this for you. So I'm, uh, I haven't done this in a long time, but you, you mentioned something and this is, this is going to be tough. This is going to be tough news, but I'm going to go ahead and act out a character thinking about something. You ready? Yeah, absolutely. So. The point is, there's no dramatic possibility in that. There's no drama. Nothing is happening. Characters thinking is not what we put on the page. We are, I know that we're writers, and I know when we're writers, we're like, oh, I'm here typing, and that means I'm thinking, and therefore I'm going to write about thinking. No. We are dramatists. We put characters on the page. We put characters on the stage. We put characters in the frame. We put characters on the screen. However you want to think about it, we put characters. And we have them do things dramatically with each other. I'm carrying my parents in a basket. I'm exhausted. I stop for water. My father makes me feel guilty. I say, please don't make me feel guilty anymore. I love carrying you on my back. Well, that's great, son. Now maybe 20 more miles and we should be there. Right? Drama lets me know. Because I'm an author and I witness what happens between characters. Thinking nothing. So that's that. Number three, backstory. Backstory is only for one purpose. To elevate the next action in the dramatic story. This is my, I mean, I'm just, I'm giving you the riot act. I mean, it's not to you, it's for all of us. I do this, I need to do it for myself. You know how much I love to type? I am such a good typist. I can type forever, basically. I can type... Uh, I can easily type two or 3,000 words in an hour. My God, I can type. But I can't type whatever I want to type. I have to type things that are relevant to the dramatic action. I'll give you an example. Okay. Me and my buddies were biking uh, down the road when Billy said, there's the old McGillicuddy house. We stopped our bikes, we looked up. The house was tall and gothic and had dark boarded windows. Billy turned to me and said, I dare you to go knock on the front door. I ain't afraid, I said. 
I'll go knock on that door anytime. It's like, well, you're not afraid. Why aren't you going to do it? I am doing it. You're not doing it. I am doing it. You're not doing it. I walked up the steps. I raised back my fist. The old McGillicuddy house was a house that had seven murders in it just last summer. There was even the dog was murdered. Bop, 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 bop. That's backstory. I brought my fist down on the door. Right? My point being, my action is what brings on the backstory. The backstory is to elevate so you understand what it means when I knock on the door. Does that make sense? The backstory's purpose yes. is subordinate, subordinate to the story, the dramatic story that's unfolding in the present. So, when I when I look at this work here, I'm like, I'm for one, it's complicated and all of that. But even if it wasn't complicated, why do I need it for the next action of the present story only? If it is not attached to the next action, then it's a to then it's basically a non sequitur from my point of view. It's like, it was like, um, yeah, that was the summer I was eating dinner with my family. Um, I, uh, I asked, uh, hey, please pass the potatoes. The old McGillicuddy house was a house where there was seven murders. You know, it's like, I, it doesn't fit. Does that make sense? Like, it, in this context, why would I tell the story about the old McGillicuddy house? It has to be relevant to the next action. So what is the thing in this story that is relevant? Reduce it, put it on the page so I understand it, and then I understand intuitively, right? You're creating a, basically a logic sequence. All of our stories are a logic sequence of narrative. This event, this event, this event, this event. And they all have to make sense logically. There's a logical thread through it all. And we have to be essentially religious about doing that. Abhinav, I know, is here. Is, we got, let, um, does that make a little sense? Yes, Samathi? yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, it looks like I, started, I need to work a lot on this now. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm just, I think it's so, uh, like I say, it's not, it's not about your work. It's these, uh, these are the, my boilerplate stuff that I just come up with, and I apply it to my own work, too. I really want to, you know, we... We write a lot of things, and I think we write things for good reasons. You know that there's something important here, but I'm trying to get us to hone in as quickly as possible on creating these logical sequences. So we don't just go into backstory for no reason. Um, John LaRue, right? I told you about him. He said two things. I threw him up against the wall. He told me two things. One, dialogue is what characters do to each other, which to me means dialogue is action. And the second thing is, you only write backstory when you absolutely have to. And the reason he says that is because you have a momentum built in the story. Remember me? I'm on my bike. Da -da 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 -da. Would it have been so much worse if I had just knocked on the door? Not really. I mean, it would have been about the same. Maybe it adds a little bit to it. But you only stop the momentum of the forward story when you absolutely have to in order to help the reader understand the relevance of the next action. 
Right. But then how does uh, uh, one uh, uh, in make it a standalone story if you if you can't delve too much into the back story because in this case i think uh, a lot of what pandu does or regrets as in this case is based on what his past so his past has a relevance on his present so in that case how do i get him to well we have to think about what what a story uh, how do i get so... to share the back story without the story the thing that the thing that your reader is signing on to is to read about a character involved in human struggle the human struggle is this basically my reductive thinking about it the human struggle is the character tries to get what they want that's it so the story is if you want and this is how we remember we focus on something that is not boring it's not boring because we're dealing with human struggle a character is trying to get what they want against the forces of adversity. That's exciting. And it's not confusing. We focus on that one story. In a modern story, we have to focus on those one at a time. It's not about this whole long backstory. What is the struggle of the moment? What is the character trying to get? What do they want? This is what drives the story nowadays. We I, I mentioned last time, I don't want to get too far into it, but the, the, the old ancient stories, like the Mahabharata, Iliad, Odyssey, uh, Gilgamesh, you know, a number of other you know, works, right? They contained cultural knowledge. They contained history and they told stories. So they did all of those things. We don't, we don't do that so much anymore in the same way, but that's a, that's a bigger conversation. So. <laughs> Focus on what is what is the story you want to tell? Who do you want to tell it about? What do they want? How do they try to get it? This, a story is basically this. I want something on my own terms. I try to get it. I don't. So now I'm willing to do something else to get it. Do I get it? No, I don't. Now I'm willing to do something else to get it. Do I get it? No, I don't. Then I have to evaluate. Once I'm driven down to the depths of despair, I have to evaluate and finally make a choice. Do I change or do I die? That's basically, or do I die the way I, do I die never getting what I want? Or do I change in order to get what I want? Do I evolve? Do I rise like a phoenix? That's the focus of the story. Oh. I think we better do the rest of them next time, Avanav. Yeah. Thank you so much. Mind. Thank you so much, Otis. I should thank yeah. you, Otis, for doing this. And uh, everyone, you know, we will be putting these uh, this uh, session up on YouTube in a few days. And uh, uh, I'll, you know, uh, I'll share this link out on Twitter and Facebook so you can watch those. And I think we also have a playlist so you can go back and watch uh, the previous sessions also. Uh, and again, you know, please submit your review all your writing samples and uh, you know, Otis will go through them next Sunday and we'll talk to you in a week. Thank you. And, and someday we'll produce a book too, Abhinav. Well, all the highlights. We should, we should. We <laughs> it would be great. Okay, thank you all. I always enjoy seeing you all. I love talking about stories and thank you so much for doing what, it's hard work.
It's so hard. Like I say, we can all type. If it was easy, everyone on earth would be doing it, right? So I really appreciate you taking it on. This is, I don't know, it's a joy to be able to do it. So thank you all. Thank you. Thank you, Bye. Thank you so Thank much. You. Bye bye.